0: So it's such a privilege to be able to bring the word of the Lord to you today. Um, A week ago, I was at a youth camp called Upward Challenge. It it was in North Carolina, and we brought some of our youth from our um, middle school and high school youth group to this camp. Many of you had been praying along with us for quite a few weeks before we went to camp, and I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you so much. Uh, We saw God work in amazing ways at camp. And I wanted to also just take a moment to thank Stephanie for being one of the co-directors of the camp. And also Jackie for coming with me and being a leader there and also helping to drive. Uh, That was helpful, yeah. so. So today is our last message in our series on a life of joy. We've been going through the book of Philippians, and studying um, all the different ways that Jesus has been um, telling us that we can live with joy through his power. And so, as we look at the very last few verses of the book today, I'm going to be weaving in some of the themes from the book in order to close out our series. And as I do that, I'm going to be using some stories from camp in order to... um, let you know what happened there, and just to show some of the ways that those things were lived out um, during that camp. So uh, I hope that at the end of today, you'll be able to be reminded that we can all live a life of joy through the grace of Jesus Christ. So please turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, verses 21 through 23, which is on page 1827 in your Bibles on the Seats. Paul writes these words to the Philippians as a closing greeting. He says, Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those belonging to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Amen. So in verses 21 and 22, we can find a theme that runs through the whole book, and that's that we can all live joyful lives because we're all part of the body of Christ. In these verses, uh, Paul greets all of the people at Philippi, and he does something a little different here, though, than compared to what he does in some of his other books that he writes. Uh, For instance, in Romans, he greets 20 different people that he names by name, and sends them his greetings in addition to all the people reading his letter. But here he doesn't do that. He just uses the word all. He says greet all of God's people in Christ Jesus, and he sends greetings from all God's people who are with him. And so as I studied this book, I was able to count more than 10 times that Paul speaks to all believers like this. He opens by greeting all. He prays for all. He is thankful for all. He longs or misses all. He rejoices with all. He says that all share in God's grace. All progress in joy and faith. All should live for Christ and all should be gentle. And then he closes by greeting all. He's addressing this to all who are in Christ. In other words, all who call Jesus their Lord. It doesn't say to all who are good enough or to all who are deserving or those who work the hardest. No, he's saying all, all of God's people. Everyone who acknowledges that Jesus died for their sins, rose again and was lifted to the right hand of God to defeat death and to become Lord of their life. When you believe that, you become part of God's family and part of his body. And so Paul reminds us here that God is calling us as a body to unity. And by doing that, we can live in joy and peace. So chapter... Oh, you know, I forgot to mention that um, there's an outline in your bulletins that has some of these verses that I'm going to be hitting on here. So you can follow along as we look at some of the verses throughout the book of Philippians. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 4 says, Therefore... but each of you to the interests of others. And then in 3, verse 20, he says, But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. At camp, we saw a lot of changes happen throughout the week. And one of those changes was a growth in unity and fellowship. When we first got there, I saw lots of little groups of students hanging out together, Um, they hung around with those people that they knew. Uh, They went everywhere as little groups. There wasn't a lot of mingling happening there. But as the week went on, I saw God start to work and to build fellowship and unity. So we started playing some games, and the kids started to get to know each other. But what, what really got unity and fellowship to happen was when they started to look to Jesus and to look to support each other as a body. One of the nights we had a worship and testimony time and a lot of kids were really touched. And so as someone started gently crying, I saw a hand go around a shoulder. I saw someone else give someone a big hug. There was another time that something similar was happening and we all linked arms like what you see in the picture there. We linked arms and prayed for each other. And by the time we were done with camp, no one wanted to leave because we had so many friends. Everyone had made new friends, and there was a lot of unity and fellowship, and it was exciting and joyful. And so that was such a great change to see from the beginning of the camp. All right, in verse 22, we find our next theme in the book of Philippians, and that is, that we can live joyful lives by living like Jesus. Okay, good, did. Um, When we do that, then others can see the difference in us, and that points them to Jesus. So something interesting about this verse is that Paul does mention one group of people who especially wanted to send greetings to the Philippians, and that was those people in Caesar's household. Now, if you're not familiar with who Caesar was, This was the emperor of the entire Roman world, so the most powerful person that existed in that day, basically. And Paul says, there are members of his household that are greeting you, Philippians. And so members of Caesar's household, that would have included not only his members of family and um, high-ranking officials, but it would have also included any free or slave that worked for him anywhere in the entire Roman Empire. And so for the Philippians who were living in a small, not really influential church that was in kind of an impoverished town to be greeted by members of Caesar's household, that would have been really, really significant for them. And it would have given them encouragement. And it would have also given them a lot of encouragement to know that there there are Christ followers within the highest reaches of our society. I know that gives me... A lot of joy when I see that happening here also. Now, those people in Caesar's household would have had to hear about Jesus from somewhere. And we know that while Paul's writing this letter, he's in chains, imprisoned with them. And so uh, we know that these people would have interacted with Paul and his companions, and they would have seen and heard what he said about Jesus and the gospel. They would have seen it living out. And they would have been able to be attracted to that and believe. And so that would have given the Philippians boldness to live like Jesus and to share Jesus Christ with people because they would have known, hey, anyone is able to accept the gospel and it's for everyone. So Paul gives us quite a few different ways that summarize how we can live like Jesus in our lives. And the first one is to be content and joyful in all circumstances. 2.16 says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing. 4.4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And then 4.11 says, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Now, speaking about contentment, uh, you can probably look at this picture and just see that there might be a little bit of change happening there from the left side to the right. Uh, When we got to camp, we learned a few things that even I didn't know, that um, we would only get one shower the whole week, Um, that we would be using porta potties that uh, the cell phones would be taken away, and that there would be lots of mosquitoes and potentially some bears. And so, um, for me, that wasn't a problem because I like camping, but for our students from the city here, uh, they all had eyes that were about as big as saucers. And they said, what is this? What have you done to us? This isn't what we signed up for. And I thought that there was going to be a revolt, really. Um, I said, just go with it. We're not going back the whole 12 hours. Um, just, let's just see how this plays out. And so, as the week went on, things did change. As the students started to um, experience more joy in their life, as they made new friends, got to know Jesus more, or maybe even for the first time, they started to forget about those things that seemed so horrible at the the beginning. And so by the end, there was a lot of joy, and I didn't even hear any, any complaints, even when the tents collapsed from all the rain and all, you know, all those things that happened, there was still joy because we were all as a body focused on Jesus and not on those things that were happening to us that were difficult. So I was glad to see that change because you, know, you can see the joy in her face there at that picture that was taken toward the end of camp. So it was really fun. All right, the next way that we can live like Jesus is to give our anxieties and our past to Him. Chapter four, six through seven says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then three, thirteen and fourteen says, But one thing I do Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, uh, this is a picture of Angela. She's one of the youth from our group that came down with us. And Angela wasn't told me that she wasn't really expecting much about meeting God at camp, but she really did in a big way, and she was able to be healed from some anxiety, fear, and anger that she had. She gave me permission to share her story because she's so excited about it, so I wanted to share it with you um, to talk about how we can give our anxieties and fears to Jesus. So one of the nights when there was some testimonies, Angela's heart was really touched. Uh, one of the person that was sharing his testimony had a lot of similar things happen to him in his life, and she felt for the first time, like, wow, other people are going through the same things that I'm going through, the same hurts and pains. And so uh, she signed up to go to a prayer appointment, which we had all throughout the week for the students, that where people would pray with them and do a lot of the, the same stuff that we do here at Gold with our prayer ministry. And so during her prayer appointment, the leaders of that asked her, well, where is it that you hurt the most? Let's ask Jesus to heal that place. And for her, it was an easy answer. It was her mother. Her mother died a couple years ago, and it was uh, under really hard circumstances, totally unexpected. And Angela wasn't even able to see her mom um, before she died Um, and her last memories of her mom were just really horrible because there were extreme circumstances. And so that had created a lot of um, anger and loss and anxiety, and all those things kept bubbling up in her life. And so they asked Jesus to um, heal Angela in whatever way that he would choose to do that in, in prayer. And so as they did that, Angela saw a vision where Jesus came to her, and then he opened a door and brought out Angela's mom. Now, she was dressed in white, and she was really beautiful. And Jesus was able to tell Angela that she was okay and that she didn't have to worry about her anymore. That she didn't have to be anxious about not having seen her at the end because now she was getting a chance to say goodbye in, an, in a proper way. And so this this really touched Angela. I mean, you can imagine her just uh, seeing her mom with Jesus was really healing for her. And then Jesus showed her another uh, memory where he was with her when she thought that he wasn't. She thought she was all alone, uh, but Jesus showed her that he was always with her. And so by, by knowing that Jesus was with her all the time, she was able to give him her anxiety, her anger, and her fear. And then to receive joy and peace into her life. And at the end and even uh, this Tuesday when she shared that story at our youth group, she was just so joyful. She even said, I'm just so full of joy and peace. And uh, yeah, praise Jesus for that. I'm so happy that um, he was able to work in her life like that. One more way that we can live like Jesus is by keeping our focus on him. 1.27 says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. 3.7 says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And then 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about such things. So at camp, I saw leaders who embodied the life of Jesus Christ. Uh, I saw people giving selflessly of themselves in order to point all of the campers to Jesus, um, even if it meant sleeping in a, a tent um, with the campers, if, even if it meant going to the hospital for an entire day with one of the campers who wasn't uh, feeling well, like what Jackie did, missed a whole day. Um, and I also saw this playing out in some of our the ways that the leaders worked together. So each morning and afternoon, we would have a leadership team meeting where we would pray about and discern where we should be going, and so instead of following a, the camp curriculum rigidly, we were discerning where are these kids at, what do they need, how can we point them to Jesus the most, and how how can we open it up for God to work in their lives, and so we we asked Jesus, show you know Jesus, where do you lead us, just like that, and so um, lots of people would have different ideas, and there were I don't know. 20, 30 people there. Uh, So there was no way that we could do everything that everyone suggested. But thankfully, everyone was so focused on Jesus and what Jesus wanted to do that we were able to um, put our own ideas aside and to trust Jesus that he would use just the right ones out of that whole list that we came up with. So one night, we were at that leadership team meeting And I was having real trouble staying awake, honestly. I was uh, pretending to do some exercises for my back because my back was a little irritated there. But I was really, just really struggling to stay awake. And um, so toward the end of the meeting, the other camp director, Lydia, posed the question. She said, well, who's going to lead this tonight? And I immediately felt like, oh, shoot, I bet it's going to be me. Um, I haven't even been fully here. Um, and then, then she, right when I felt that, she pointed at me and one other person was like, what, what about one of you two? And I was like, well, okay, I guess it's me. Um, if I felt that already. And then she pointed right at me. So after the meeting, then Lydia and I discussed, okay, well, what's our plan going to be? There were like all these all these things that we had discussed at the meeting All these different ways that we could have gone. And so we talked about a few of those. And then the music started playing for the large group session. We're like, okay, we got to go in there. We're the leaders. We have to be there. So we went in and even while we were singing, we're still looking at this little notepad and trying to figure out, okay, what is God like pulling together here? We kept seeing father written on there. Um, Not a lot of the kids knew that God was their father and um, so Psalm 139 kept coming up to me and that's a psalm that's really near and dear to my heart because we have it over uh, Raylan's crib um, where it says you're fearfully and wonderfully made and it talks about God's father heart for us and so I was, I think I'm supposed to read this and talk about that so we said okay so that's what I did um, and It ended up really connecting with a lot of the kids. And um, it was just, uh, there was a lot of uh, God working in hearts that night. And every night, that's what happened. Every morning, that's what happened. Um, God led very clearly, even if it was at the very last minute. And he he gave a lot of fruit because he was present there and he was working there. So it was really exciting. Yeah. All right, and from then the last verse of our passage today, we can find a final theme of the book of Philippians that we can live joyful lives because Jesus supplies us with the grace that we need. I know for myself that often seems quite hard to always be joyful and to always be content in every circumstance and to be not complaining, not be anxious, all of those things that we're talking about of how to live like Jesus. So in verse 23, Paul gives this blessing. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So what is this grace that he's talking about? The most common way that we usually think about grace is that of a free gift. That's something that God gives us that's undeserved. That is where um, salvation comes from. Um, In Ephesians 2.8, it says we're saved by grace through faith it's a free gift of God now the grace that Paul is talking about here is just a little bit different this is an impartation of a sustaining power that comes from God Jesus died on the cross so that we could receive this grace so that God could pour it out on us, open up the riches of heaven that he has for us and give those to us so that we can live like Jesus and so that we can point others to him, kind of like a conduit flowing down and out. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul experiences this type of grace and talks about it a little more. That's where he has a problem, something he called a thorn in the flesh, some weakness that he had, and he asks God to take it away. And God says, My grace... Is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Then in chapter 4, verse 13, Paul says, I can do this, which is all of the stuff that he's talking about in the book, through him who gives me strength. He knows that living like Jesus is something that we can't do on our own. We need God's help in every moment and in every situation. God's grace is like the lifeline that he gives us through his Holy Spirit in order to live like him, in order to deepen our relationship with him, and in order to point others to him. So my last story is um, about this type of grace and how it fell on me during camp. I was really tired toward the end of camp. Um, we had been, I had been only sleeping about five and a half hours in a tent that smelled like nasty feet with these other, you know, teenagers. And um, then I also had these, all these leadership things that I was doing there. I was um, helping to lead a small group. I was helping to lead morning prayer. I was helping to um, lead prayer appointments. And then also I was the official camp photographer. So um, not to mention that this is in the mountains, which is beautiful but also a lot of walking up and down mountains. So I was really tired. Uh, When Friday rolled around, the last day of camp, I felt like I could hardly open my eyes in the morning. Like I was like, I cannot get up. I don't have any energy left. And yet it was going to be my busiest day because I had quite a few prayer appointments scheduled and there was a lot of other things going on that day. Then I even had some unexpected prayer times where we had some pretty intense praying uh, for some campers. And so I was pretty beat by midday, uh, even more than I was in the morning. So I asked my small group of guys, which is this group in the picture, to pray for me for energy and for grace to make it through the rest of the day and to continue ministering. And so we circled up and they laid their hands on me and the worst thing about being the photographer is that you, don't, you can't take pictures of yourself, usually. Um, and I'm not a real selfie person. Um, so I didn't get a picture of that happening, but, it, um, but it, was, it was wonderful. And one of the students prayed out a picture that he saw while we were praying. And he said he, he prayed that um, God's grace would fall on me like a bolt of lightning, and that it would energize me. And that, I really felt that happen tangibly, in in a real way. I was energized. I was kind of jumping around like, hey, I got Holy Spirit energy right now. And I really did. I was able to make it through the rest of the day um, and then also make it home the next day. And so I just was able to realize that firsthand that God does fill us up when we ask him. And he is the one who wants to supply us with his grace and his Um, energy. So I hope that these stories have encouraged you and I'm thankful that you all are so encouraging to me and that um, so much prayer went into this camp. Um, I'm thankful for the ways that Paul tells us that we can live like Christ in this book of Philippians and that we can have joy and I'm also thankful that God supplies that joy and that peace to us. Now, maybe you feel like these stories could only happen to other people, because camp is usually a mountaintop experience, and we're not at camp now. But I want to remind you that you are a part of the body of Christ, and Jesus has great things planned for you. The book of Philippians is kind of like a blueprint to help us live a life of joy and peace as we live like Jesus. And God's grace is available to us because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. So let Jesus be your Lord and look to him for your joy, peace, and strength. And he will be faithful to supply it. Amen.